Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry to impact your life. So share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. And if God is using this ministry to impact you, we would like to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do so online at fellowshipgj.com. Select the giving option that works best for you and help us bring the message of Christ to this community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, again, church family, good morning. So glad that you're here with us today. We are in a topic that I believe is going to help so many of us in so many different aspects of your life. And that is the topic of relationships. And last week we started a series called Put People in Their Place. Put People in Their Place. In fact, uh, I want to know, would you, are you willing to speak back with me? Are you willing to participate a little bit today? Good. All right. I'm going to ask you right off the bat then, if you would, turn to your neighbor, okay? Look them right in the eye. And with the most sarcastic tone you can, tell them, say this, say, you're about to get put in your place. You're about to get put in your place. (laughs) That's funny. I see one woman very happy to tell her husband this right now. I'm not even looking that direction, get, get someone in trouble. But We're talking about relationships, and we're talking about the importance of, of identifying, defining, and aligning our relationships. Last week, we talked about the fact that we needed to ask the question, who's at the table? And we looked at Jesus and the 12 disciples, and at the Last Supper, who did he have at the table? There's all sorts of different personalities around him, and he had to love each of them differently. He treated them all right, but he didn't treat them all the same. He had to manage his relationships. And this week, we're diving in a little bit deeper on the same topic. We're going to ask the question, what about your friends? What about your friends? When you can define the people in your life that are your friends, how is it that we're supposed to treat them? How is it we're supposed to position them? What can they expect of me? What should I expect of them? We are going to look not just at what the world says about our friendships, but what is the biblical view of our friendships. We see here in Proverbs 18, 24, it says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Would you pray with me before we dive into this today? Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room. And God, we know that you're already here with us. Your Holy Spirit is in this room. As we lift up the name of Jesus, we know that you meet with us. So God, right now in your presence, we pray you'd speak to us. We pray that we would learn about your plans for our relationship, your plans for our lives, and you give us the grace and the strength to be able to move forward and handle our relationships the way you want us to. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Uh, so a little while back, I was in a restaurant and I was eavesdropping on a conversation that happens next to me. Don't look at me like that. I know you do it too. And I heard this young woman, she, she was talking and she said something that kind of took me off guard for a moment. She, she, she was excited to tell the person she was having lunch with that, that she goes, yeah, I, I have over a thousand friends. 
Well, I don't know how she lives her life, but that is in stark contra- contrast to the way I live mine. So now I'm really listening. Like, you have a thousand friends. What are you talking about? Like, because like I could probably count my friends on one hand. Like, I, I don't understand. What, what is she saying? She, she goes, yeah, I just got over a thousand followers on Facebook. A thousand friends on Facebook. I'm like, oh, we have different definitions of what a friend is. That's what this comes down to. And. and I listened to this and I, I was, it kind of opened my eyes to something because I believe you and I, we live in a culture right now with, with a norm around us that uses the word friend differently than the way that the Bible does. That for so many of us, I think we can get frustrated on the relationships we have because we are trying to define what the Bible calls as friend but by a world standard that is completely different than a friendship. So there might be people that would say, I have a a thousand friends, and what they're talking about is acquaintances and strangers and people who might have similar interests online that that, that connect online and say that this is a group of friends where where really the, the view that we see of friendship when it comes to scripture is completely different than that. Actually, friendship could look a lot more in the realm of relationships scripturally like a deck of cards. And how if you were to open a deck of cards, you'd have 52 cards in that deck, but there's only four aces. There's four cards that hold a higher position than the other 48 in the deck. And what that builds a picture for, for us to understand about friendships is that you and I are gonna have many relationships in life. There are gonna to be tons of relationships. People are gonna come and go. There's gonna be acquaintances and coworkers and associates and there's gonna be all sorts of different people in our life but there's only going to be a small handful of friends as defined by what the Bible would say friendship is. And we have to recognize that those friends, that they need to be positioned a certain way in our lives. They need to be aligned a certain way. They need to be treated a certain way because like as we were talking about last week, if we, if we don't define our relationships and start to truly understand what friendships are, then, then what will happen is we will start treating strangers the way that friends should be treated and we will start treating our friends the way that strangers should be treated. So we have to start identifying these different relationships in our life and and then in turn treat them the way that they should be treated. And we get this because, like we talked about last week, and looking at Jesus' life and the way he managed his relationships, we we see this about Jesus' life. Jesus taught us that, that people should be loved biblically, valued equally, but treated differently. That... When it comes to the way that we treat other people, we, we should love them biblically. That means unconditionally people deserve to be loved, right? That, that it doesn't matter their age, doesn't matter gender, doesn't matter ethnicity, doesn't matter economic status. None of those things come into play. Every human being deserves to be loved biblically. We, we, we look at it the same way and go, and every person deserves to be um, uh, valued equally, that Your value doesn't change based on your gender or ethnicity or age or how much money you have or your job or your your education. None of those things come into play. Every person should be loved biblically, valued equally, but treated differently. Because we saw last week with Jesus that he treated everyone right, but he didn't treat them the same. Because sometimes treating everyone right does not mean treating them the same. So what we have to do is we have to identify 
who the friends are that we have in our lives in order to be able to treat them the way that they need to be treated biblically. And see, we, so for us to do this, we have to look at what does the Bible define as friendship? Because the Bible uh, defines friendship different than the way our culture does, right? For our, our culture has certain criteria for what, what a friend would be. And, and like for many people in our culture, you, you would say, I, they're my friend. And I'd say, why? And say, because I like them. Wait, wait a minute, wait, wait. You're telling me the only criteria to be your friend is that, that you like that person? Like that's as low as we're sitting the bar there. That doesn't make any sense at all. I, I like the San Francisco Giants, but that doesn't make them my friend, right? Like the, 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 there's gotta be something deeper than that. There's, it's gotta go beyond just simply liking someone. And see, the Bible tells us though in this verse we just looked at in Proverbs 18, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So culture would say they're my friend because I like them. The Bible says no, they're your friend because they stick closer to you than a brother would. And when you have a true friend biblically, that like they've got your back and they support you like family. Like, you might have blood relatives that are around you and support you, but, but you, when you have a friend, biblically, it's saying you have someone who will stick with you and be so close to you, and there's such a deep bond there that they will connect with you on a level where maybe even your family won't connect with you on that level. That, that there's a friendship that goes, that goes deep. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Are you hearing that, that many times we, we lower the bar and the standard of what we call a friendship to, to a place that's embarrassing when we, when we look at it through the lens of Scripture? It's because Scripture shows us that there are certain ways we're supposed to identify friends, certain things that those friends get from us, and then certain things we get from those friends. So real briefly today, I want to talk to you about why we should treat friends and manage friends differently than other people in our lives. Because when we put people in the right position in our life, it sets us up where we can prosper more in our lives, but it also sets them up as well. They're not set up to be hurt by us. We're not set up to be hurt by them. So there's so much good when we start evaluating our friendships and putting them in the right place. So I, I have to learn to manage my friends differently. Why? Because number one, my friends get certain things for me. Number one, Friends get a different kind of access. And I hope you'll catch this. Friends get a different kind of access. See, love is freely given, but access is earned. And when I talk about access, I, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about access to the intimate places of your life. I'm talking about access to your heart. I, I'm talking about access to, to confidential information that you have. And see, the Bible shows us... We owe other people loving them, but we don't owe them access. The Bible says we owe them love. Like Romans 13, 8 says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. Right? But, but access is not owed in the same category. Access is earned. You, you don't owe everybody access. See, when people are reckless with their access, they're reckless with life. When you're reckless with just giving everyone access to the deepest parts of who you are, you're reckless with your very heart. You're reckless with your very life. See, we should be authentic with everyone, but only transparent with people that we trust. See, I know there are many people in this room that 
You've been hurt and you've been burned and you've been betrayed by people. And, and, and for some of you, you're in this series and, and because of wounds you've had from the past and you're thinking, yeah, no one should have access to me. No, people will hurt you. People will burn you. We should put people in their place. And, and no, no, it, it's not that people are bad. People aren't bad as much as maybe we're just making bad placement decisions. Maybe we're putting people in certain positions in our life that they haven't earned to be in. Maybe we're expecting certain people to be able to handle access to us that they haven't proven the fact that they can handle that access. So we're, we're giving people access to us and they're hurting us because, because we're giving the wrong people access. And there are people in this room that you're struggling with some of the people that you have around you because you're calling them friend. You've defined them one thing, but just because you call someone something doesn't make them that. Just because you call them a friend doesn't actually make them that. So I know there are people in this room where you'd be like, man, I wish they would stop telling my business to everyone. I wish they'd stop talking about me all the time. And, and, and we're just making bad placement decisions because God's going, no, no, I wish you would stop giving your business to that person. Like, you're mad at them because they're talking. You're the one talking to them. Like, we gotta take a step back and go, wait a minute, if I identify what's happening here, I'm seeing that there is a person who, who takes the access they have to me and they're wounding me with it. Maybe they're not someone who has earned access to me. And I think there are many of us that, because our culture says you like them, that makes you their friend, we get confused and we put the wrong people in our inner circle. Or if we look back on this and go, wait a minute, if the Bible shows us that, that, that a friend is someone who sticks closer than a brother, then they get a different type of access to me. They can be trusted with information about me because I, I, I can't just be flippant with my heart. I can't just be flippant with who I am. It would surprise you how many people are more guarded with their home or guarded with their car than they are with their heart. And yet the Bible says, in Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We should be protecting our heart over, over everything else. And, and sometimes we, we're just flippant with who we allow to have access to our heart. And I know that there are also people that you're dealing with relationships in this room where you deal with people that they feel like you owe them access to you. Like, I always tell you everything about me, and yet you never tell me anything about you. Anyone ever felt that before? Like, like you owe them something? Like because they tell you secrets about themselves? Like you never talk about you. I always, I always tell you what's going on in my life, and you never tell me what's going on in your life. Yeah, yeah you tell me what's going on in your life because I keep it right? But I'm not telling you what's going on in my life because you don't keep it when I'm telling you what's going on in my life. See, a friend is someone that you can trust with access to your life, right? So with friends, they get a different level of access. Friends also, number two, have a different type of expectation. Friends have a different type of expectation. See, you have the right to expect certain things from friends that you don't have the right to expect from other people. You can put expectations on, on people who come into the category of being the friends in your life. See, Jesus, uh, we talked about last week, he had an inner circle. He had Peter, James, and John. And, and we're gonna use them as a metaphor for friendship right now where we see that Jesus would take them to places that he wouldn't take other people. One of the places he took them was the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified. So this was like the most stressful time in Jesus' life. We, he, was, he, he was weeping. He was stressed out. He was so concerned. He was bothered. He, he was praying that God would maybe give a different way for him to handle things. So he was bothered, and he brought his friends around him and put an expectation on them and said, guys, I'm going to pray here through the evening. Will you stay up with me, and will you pray with me? Because I need someone to have my back right now. I need some support right now. And he put an expectation on them. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus went off to pray, and he came back to receive some support from his friends, and his friends had all fallen asleep on him. And he was angry. And he was frustrated, rightfully so, because he's like, guys, it's not like I'm asking you to do for exactly for me what I've done for you. I'm not asking you to raise people from the dead. I'm not asking you to like open people's blind eyes. But the one time that I'm hurting and I need some support and I'm stressed out right now, you, you falling asleep on me? Like there's got to, like I have an expectation that, that, that there would be some reciprocity in our relationship. That with all that I'm doing for you and investing in you and pouring into you and helping, can you not be there for me in the times when I'm hurting? And I think there are some of us in this room, you felt exactly that way. Like I'm always giving, I'm always pouring, I'm always there opening my wallet, I'm always doing what I can do. It's like I'm trying to help you and then the time when I need a little bit of help, you're nowhere to be found. Yeah, I move your house and we use my truck and then all of a sudden I need to move something you won't answer your phone. So I, I think we've felt that way before. And see, Jesus put an expectation on them. It's like, guys, I'm not asking you to do everything that I do for you, but I, I am asking that there be some reciprocity. And, and the truth is, in your relationships, if, if, if there's no reciprocity, then, then from a biblical perspective, there's no friendship there. So we see in Scripture that that when it comes to our friendships, friends get a different kind of access to us. Friends get a different type of expectation from us. And then number three, friends get a different kind of investment. <coughs> Excuse me. Friends get a different kind of investment. See, when you know who the friends are in your life, they should get a better investment from you than just anyone else. The aces should be treated a little bit different than the rest of the cards in the deck. You should pour into them. It's like, I like the way Pastor Andy Stanley says it. He says, do for some what you wish you could do for all. And I love that quote. Do for some what you wish you could do for all. Because here's what I know about myself and here's what you know about you is that I know I'm a limited resource. I only have so much money. I only have so much time. I only have so much energy. So I, I can't give of myself to everyone. Like, if I gave everything I could to everyone, like I run out really quick. I get tapped out of my passions and my abilities and my resources really, really quick. I can't do for everyone. So, so what this shows us is that when we look at our lives, since I am a limited resource, I have to discern who are the people that I want to invest into. Who are the people that I, I wish I could treat everyone with this level of compassion, everyone with this level of investment, but I can't, so I'm just going to do this for the people that are closest to me. I, I, I've got to uh, define who these relationships are in my life because if I don't do it, see, you have to identify your friends because if not, you are going to spend the currency of your time and your energy making investments into people who don't meet that criteria. You will spend everything you have giving your very best to the people that mean the least to you in your life so that when it comes to the people that mean the most to you, you have nothing left over to give to them. 
And we see that Jesus, all through the Bible, starts showing us that, that with friends, we do for them what we can't do for everyone. A friends get a different level of investment. I mean, with a friend, you get up out of bed for a friend. You fly across the country for a friend when they're in need. I mean, you cut a sandwich in half for a friend, right? It's like, I see you're going to be hungry today, and it's like, you can tell I can stand to lose some weight, so we can cut this sandwich in half, and it's like, instead of you being hungry and me being full, we're both going to be a little bit hungry and a little bit full. Friends get a different investment, and Jesus teaches us that we have to discern where to invest into. We have to learn how to discern where our friends are. We, We see it here. Jesus said, In Matthew 6, verse 7, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. So he's saying there's got to be this ability to discern and define and align your relationships so we're making investments in the right place. So this is a little recap from last week. Last week we talked about the fact that Jesus says in order to be able to define our relationships, we've got to know a tree by its fruit. So we have to identify the relationships we have around us in life and see who they are to us. And he says the way you do that is you look at the fruit that's coming out of the tree. You'll know it's an apple tree because there's an apple coming off of it. You'll know it's a peach tree because there's a peach coming off of it. So when we look at our relationships around us, we have to see what fruit is coming out of this. Is there loyalty coming out of this? Is is there good fruit or bad fruit? And and this is where so many people get hung up going, man, I don't want to be judgmental. Are we supposed to be judging our friends? Are we supposed to be looking down on other people? No, 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 no. There's a huge difference between identifying and judging. And we have to identify who the people are in our life, who the friends are in our life. And it's like, again, this is what we talked about last week, but if I had a peanut allergy, I would have to learn how to identify peanuts. I have to learn what, where do they come from? Where am I gonna find them? What do they smell like? What do they look like? What foods might they be in? Because since I, they would be dangerous to me, I have to learn how to identify them because I'm not gonna judge them. I'm not gonna be like, why are you eating peanuts all the time? Like, like peanuts are disgusting. You gotta get, no, I'm not judging peanuts. It's just, I have to identify them because when I see peanuts, I gotta put some distance between me and peanuts because peanuts make me sick. And when it comes to our relationship, we have to start to identify the fruit that's coming out of people so we start looking at other people, not to judge them, but it's like, I'm not judging you, I've got my own problems, but when I look at you, what I'm seeing is coming out of you is this competitive nature. You're always trying to compete with me and one-up with me and stuff like that. And it's like, it's not, I'm not judging you, I've just gotta put some distance between me and you because that competitive nature is making me sick. And man, I'm not, I'm not judging you, but that gossip I see coming out of you, it's, it's making me sick. I've, I've got to identify the fruit that's coming out of the relationships around me. And when we do that, we can start to place people properly in our lives. We go, wait a minute, this is a person who has a fruit coming out of their life where I see that they can handle access to me. I, I see that they, uh, they deserve to be able to have a higher expectation on me, and I deserve to be able to hold a higher expectation on them. I can invest into them more. We can start to see this fruit, but here's the important thing I want you to catch about fruit and fruit examination today, is that when you examine fruit in other people's life, fruit inspection has to be done seasonally. Right, because in one season, a tree might produce fruit, and then the next season it might not. 
And when we look at our relationships, you might go to a relationship and say, yeah, I, I've seen that it's produced a certain fruit in the past, but that same fruit might not be there in this next season. So I have to go back to it year after year, harvest after harvest, season after season of life and go, is there still the same fruit in this relationship that there used to be? Is this still a good thing? Because at one time it was a good thing, that doesn't mean it's a good thing now. It, it, at one time it was a bad thing, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing now. I gotta go look at it again. Can I give you an example of this in scripture? We see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, King Saul um, had a, a young boy that came into a service uh, by the name of David. And we're gonna look here in verse 21. It says, David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, that's David's father, saying, allow David to remain in my service for I am pleased with him. So don't miss this, catch this, all right? It says that Saul liked David very much. He liked him. There's a friendship here, this is good. Like I want this guy around me. So much so, he calls up Jesse and he's like, Jesse, I want you to allow your son to live in the palace with me because we're good, we're tight, we're like homies, right? Like he's got my back, I like the boy. Like let him serve me, let him be in my house, he's good. In chapter 16, we see that, that, that there, there's a love there for David. Now, two chapters later, First Samuel chapter 18, so just two chapters later, it says this, verse eight. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul, and he was prophesying in his, in his house while David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall, but David eluded him twice. So how do you go from chapter 16, loving me, to chapter 18, wanting to kill me? How, how, how does this happen? How, how in chapter 16 is David loved, chapter 18 he's an enemy? What, what changed here? Well, what changes between chapter 16 and chapter 18 was chapter 17. And in chapter 17, many of you know, is when we read about the fact that David went out onto the battlefield and killed Goliath. So after David had some success, we see that the people started noticing that David had, had some skill, he was a warrior, he had favor from God, and now he's starting to grow in influence, he's starting to grow in notoriety, he's starting to grow in popularity. So now all of a sudden, we see that Saul was okay with David in chapter 16 when David's following Saul around and David's got Saul's back. He's like, okay, we're all good, we're BFFs because he's here to support me. He's got me. But now the things have changed and he's starting to grow in popularity on his own. Saul was not okay with that. There was a fruit of support. There was a fruit of loyalty in one season. But now it's like all of a sudden I was cool with you being my homie and you having my back. But I don't know if I'm cool with you being popular. And that's like taking the spotlight off of me and stuff. So now all of a sudden David, or Saul's fruit changed and Saul started throwing spears at David. And anytime someone's fruit changes, you'll see that they will start throwing comments at you. Like in one season they were good, but now they're like, oh, I see that little job you've got. I see what you're trying to do, going back to school, getting that education. I, I see what you're trying to do with this. Right? Oh, you just think since you got a new man, everything's different. Like, 
Anytime they put little in front of it, right? It's like an evidence that the fruit changed. At one time it was good, but but now it's not the same anymore. See, we've got to go. Jesus says you've got to you got to know a tree by its fruit. You got to look at your relationships. You've got you've got to define them because you have to align them properly. Because when we align our relationships, I mean, our, our, our relationships are gonna get some things from us. They're gonna get access from us, right? They're gonna get a different type of expectation and they're gonna get a different type of investment. You see, I can't imagine how hard it must have been and what it must have felt like for David to enter this new season of his life, this new season of leadership, and, and he did it without support. The people that should have been supporting him weren't supporting him. They were, they were trying to kill him. People that should have had his corner didn't have his corner. He was, he was alone. He, he was moving forward into difficult things, and he was doing it all on his own. And I know that for some of you in this room, that's exactly how you felt. That you've been moving into different seasons in your life where you're trying to grow in, as a parent, you're trying to grow and work, you're trying to grow as a person. It's like you'd like support around you, but you've been doing it for so long you, that you don't even see how much it's affecting you that you don't have the support around you. So I know that a lot of times there are those of us in a room like this that are going, okay, here's the thing, pastor. I've tried. I've put myself out there. I've tried to have friendships. I've tried to, to, to like, yeah, I, I want people around me. I want support, and it just keeps failing over and over and over again. But I believe what I'm hearing God speak into my heart, and I believe what I'm hearing him speak for our church is to try again. It makes me think of when Jesus went out onto the shore and began speaking to Peter, who was fishing out in a boat, and Peter had been fishing unsuccessfully all night long pulling the nets all night long and coming up empty-handed and he's trying and every time he casts out and he's trying to bring something in, he comes up empty-handed and and when he's done now, he's quit, he's over it and Jesus says, I want you to throw your nets back in again. I want you to try again. And and immediately, Peter does what a lot of us do. It's like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're a carpenter, you're a teacher, I'm the fisherman. I know how this works. I know what works for me. I know what doesn't work for me. I've tried this before. I'm not gonna try. But Jesus says, I want you to cast in again. Try it again. When Peter listened to Jesus' plan for Peter, he cast in again and he came back out with all the fish. And what I want you to hear, and what I want you to hear the encouragement is for those of you that have just been so discouraged when it came to the area of relationships, that you've been casting, you've been trying on your own, you've been trying so hard to build these things on your own in your life. You want people in your life like that, but you got to the point where you're like, I give up, it doesn't work. God's telling you, he designed you to live in relationships. Cast again. Cast knowing that that God's got your back. God's got your, uh, God's supporting you. God's showing you how to build relationships in a proper way because you shouldn't go through life where you're going through all these things and not having the support around you that you need, the support that God designed you to have because not only, not only do we give these different things in relationships, but there's also a couple things you get as well. Right, when, when you allow people to become best friends in your life, to become your inner circle in your life, one of the things you get is accountability. 
and accountability is so necessary to every one of us, but you only get accountability through exposure, exposing who you are, being transparent with someone. And that can only come through close friendships. Because when you have a close friend around you who will hold you accountable to standards, they, they will help you. When you're about to do something stupid, when you wanna pick up the phone and cuss out your boss, and you're like, you're getting ready to dial, they'll grab the phone from you and be like, no, no. Because, why? Because they love you enough to hold you to a standard. And see, if your heart is not healthy, then, then you'll, you'll, do, you'll confuse accountability with just being a hater. You're just hating on me, they're just nitpicking me, trying to pull me apart, no. I just love you enough to hold you to a standard. You get accountability. You also, with friends, get assistance. You should have people who will assist you in life, help you in life, help you carry the load, who, who, who will stay up and pray with you, who, when you gotta move something, they will be there to move it. When, when you gotta cry about something, they will be there to cry with you. When you've gotta celebrate about something, they will celebrate with you. You, you get some assistance. And then the very last thing that we would look for in all of our friendships is that we also get advancement. When you have other people in your life, you advance faster. You accomplish more, you do more. If my life is better, my heart is better, my mind is better, my emotional health is all better because you're in it. And see, God wants you to have that. It's not just a pipe dream that's out there for some people. He created every one of us to be in community that you could have that too. It's why we do small groups here. It's why we do classes. why we have ministry opportunities where you can serve and grow and learn with other people because we weren't supposed to do this on our own. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I wanna pray for you before you leave today. I wanna ask you though to be honest so I, I know who to pray for in this room. If you're here and you're like, man, I would love to have these relationships, but I just don't even know who they are. I don't know how to find them. Would you just be honest and put your hand up so I can pray for you right now? That's a lot of us. A lot of us that have been hurt in relationships. And I think, I think some of it is not so much that, that we've been hurt by the, the right people in relationships. I think we've put the wrong people in the wrong places in our relationships. So I want to pray for you right now that God would open our hearts to him putting the right people in our lives. But then I, I want to pray as well that he would, he would teach us and direct us how to nurture the relationships he's already put in our lives so our relationships could grow into something better. So let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room. I thank you for the fact that you don't want us to do life alone. You don't want us to struggle by ourselves. You want, you want us to have support and help around us. That's the way you created us to live. So God, I pray right now that you would help us to find and align our relationships, that you would help us to nurture the friendships that we have so that they can grow into what you want them to be, that we would treat our friends the right way and be treated the right way back. And then God, for every one of us in this room where there's been deep wounds and hurts and betrayals, I pray that you would heal our hearts. And then I pray that you would open our hearts to the fact that you can still bring the right people into our lives. So I pray that you comfort us, direct us, watch us as we go, and bless us, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I love you, church family. Let's give our God a shout of praise before you leave today. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now.
The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.